had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hi guys, welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles. We are back with a wonderful interview with a college player who is the most winning tennis player from her school. And more about that later, but here's Valerie. How you doing, Valerie? Hey, Philip. What's going on? I'm just excited to be back on the air with you and talking about tennis. How are you doing? I'm excited to talk about tennis too. It's been a while. Uh, our last episode on Rosie was super exciting. This is also very exciting, and just talking about tennis, well, you know what that does. Gets me all riled up. Yeah, and (laughs) it's such a blessing for me to be able to talk to these incredible players and just hear about their story and what tennis has done for their life and what it means to them. And Because we are the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis, and uh, I feel like I get to talk to these really passionate people, and I love it. It's so great. Yes. Megan has great passion for the sport. It's really fun to hear hear her talk about it. It really comes through in, in the way she shares, doesn't it? Yeah. She's so bubbly and full of energy, and you could tell she's a great coach now. She was a great player at Portland State University, a Division One school, and wow, she really shined while she was playing on that team. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of people who are excellent tennis players become also great coaches. I mean, it's kind of a different dynamic, right? Because tennis in general can be a very selfish game. It's just you on the court. You're thinking about yourself. You often hear the pros talking about how, you know, it's really just a selfish game. You're just focused on yourself. Have you ever heard that before? I have. I've also heard it's very lonely. And even Megan touched on that. Yeah, how hard it is to just be out there playing by yourself, right? Yeah. Although for me, coming from a team sport background... I actually prefer playing tennis now as an adult. Oh, interesting. Um, I just, I get so much less anxiety knowing that I'm only letting myself down (laughs) if I don't do well. Um, Then when I go like to my soccer games, I get so nervous because I'm like, oh my God, like I'm going to let everybody down, you know? Yeah. Um, Then I go play tennis and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a piece of cake. Like if I lose, I just lost. Yeah. Well, I guess that means you handle... Um, individual stress and tension pretty well. And what I was excited about was listening to Megan talk about her career and really the most winning tennis player ever at Portland State University. How does she, how does someone at that level handle that amount of tension? And then it makes you think of the pros, right? Yeah. That have to do it basically day in, day out and the amount of tension that they have. So I love how she brought that home for us. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait to hear about it. And I guess she was not only the most winning singles player at this Division One school, but she was also the most winning doubles player. So, you know, who does that? Good players. <laughs> Martina Navratilova? No. <laughs> Rosie Cassells? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think our listeners are really going to enjoy listening to Megan Sophia Govey, so... Shall we listen to it? Yes. Okay, here we go. Our interview with Megan. This interview happened in West Los Angeles, and we had a hard time finding a place to record, so we actually recorded it in my car, and it started raining in Southern California. When does that ever happen? (laughs) (laughs) So if you listen very closely, you can actually hear some of the rain hitting the roof in the car. But uh, we just had a great time talking, and it was at least a quiet environment to record the interview. So hopefully you're not too distracted by any background sounds. Please enjoy our interview with Megan Govey. So I have the honor of sitting with Megan Govey, and we are talking about her life as a college tennis player and beyond. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Philip. Oh, we're so glad to have you. It's really exciting to meet one of the most winning tennis players of all time from PSU. Thank you. <laughs> what what a tremendous uh, distinction that is. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, 
just doing my job. Yeah, well, I think you're doing it incredibly well. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, and, and how you started playing tennis. Awesome. I was born in San Francisco. I uh, grew up in Marin County, um, way out way out in the boondocks of Marin County. Um, grew up playing tennis on a public court. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there a lot of uh, really great tennis players in Northern California? Do you think of it as a tennis place? There are a lot of great players and there are a lot of great programs yeah. in Northern California and in Marin. Yeah. Um, it's probably behind Southern California and Florida. Yeah. For sure. Well, we definitely have the better weather. So. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I'm from Northern California yeah. and I know it's often cold and windy up there near the bay. So. Yeah. So I'm definitely preferring LA right now. But maybe that makes you tougher because you have to deal with the weather. I don't Way know. tougher. <laughs> Way tougher, she <laughs> says. That's awesome. Well, I just did an interview with Rosie Casals, who is a tennis legend, and she actually was from San Francisco. She played at Golden Gate Park on the public courts and became a champion of the world. I mean, reached to number three in the world. So definitely there's something happening in Northern California. But how did you get started in tennis? Um... My uh, my older brother played, and my parents both played recreationally. And my dad just started taking me out to the courts with a plastic bag of tennis balls. We don't use plastic bags anymore. <laughs> um, and I just had so much fun playing with my brother, but it actually wasn't my main sport until I was about 14 or 15. And this is, is it older brother? Older brother. Okay. So he was always better than you? Oh, yeah. Wow. And so that oh, yeah. gives you a little bit of motivation, right? Oh, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he's older. And then back then he was a boy. So right. he's supposed to win. Gotcha. But, you know. Well, hopefully times are changing in that oh, way. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But your parents didn't play. So it's kind of unusual, isn't it, that you found yourself in tennis? Yeah, they, 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 they play a little bit. Um, just for fun. Just for fun yeah. and would take me out for fun. Yeah. And put me into a tournament randomly, just, I don't know how they even heard about it, in Marin. And me, with my pretty bad tennis strokes, I won the tournament. Wow. And making everyone very angry because <laughs> all I could do was lob the ball. Because I could just run to it and then just, like, tap it over. And you got it back. A huge defensive mm -hmm. game then. Yeah. That's incredible. Yes. Wow. Um, running. <laughs> Super athletic then. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So you say super bad strokes. Why do you say that? Oh, because I wasn't, I I played basketball and I was a swimmer. Gotcha. And tennis, like, I didn't take that many tennis lessons. Okay. And when I played a tournament, I, a coach at the, at the tournament saw me, who also had a daughter, and approached my parents and told them, hey, like, I know where... Your daughter's good. This is what she should do. Ah, I see. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the beginning of you getting lessons. Other than that, you're kind of self-taught, taught by your parents, just uh, learned by yourself. Uh, I had some really good coaches growing up. Amazing, okay. amazing coaches. Um, Can you walk us through that? What, what was that like? Yeah, so that first coach that saw me that helped my parents, and her name is Lisa Berg. Okay. Um, and her daughter, Hadley Berg. Um she has two kids, son uh, Connor and Hadley, and they both went on to play pro. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so they know what they're doing. Yeah. So I would follow them around. Okay. I would go to whatever club they were going to, I like whatever coach they were going to. And Lisa knew the best places she taught at. She still is the head pro at Rafael Rocket Club okay. in San Rafael. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. you definitely were surrounded by good people and you were kind of part of a team in a way. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that got you started. And how long were you with Lisa? Um, I, throughout my entire juniors, she would always, I wasn't taking private lessons from her, but she helped me. She guided me through the whole thing. She probably doesn't even know how much she helped. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure there's all those tennis coaches out there, all those unsung hero tennis coaches that are, have been helping kids for years and they de never really see maybe the benefit of it. So For sure. This is a good reminder that what they're doing is good and noble. 
Yeah, she changed my life forever. Wow. Wow, that there you go. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> we appreciate you. That's super. And so that was through juniors. And how did you do in juniors? How what was that like for you? Juniors is I don't know if any of you out there play or have played or are currently playing junior USDA tennis. It's a huge commitment. Tournaments are fun and they're fun and they're challenging and it's hard because when you're on the court, you're alone yes. for hours. Yes. And I I wasn't used to that. Mm. And like I'm I I like to have company and companions and like so a lot of it was pretty lonely but um I I just I really fell in love with the sport to the point where I, when I was 14 years old I was playing tournaments every weekend. Wow. Yeah. Well, you must love to win then because I mean that's the payoff, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to win. <laughs> I don't like to lose. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, uh, Roger Federer said something kind of interesting. He said a lot of people are afraid to lose where he loves to win. Th mm. That difference. Do you have any feeling about that? For sure. They're two completely different things. And I think choosing one to drive you will influence the way you approach the sport and experience the sport. Interesting. I think as Serena always says she hated losing. Right. Right? Right. Um, I think that loving winning brings more joy. And allowing yourself to celebrate your wins, I think a lot of players don't do that. And I didn't do it for a long time. I'd win. And I'd be like, well, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Like, I my serving percentage wasn't, like, my first serve percentage wasn't high enough. My backhand feels funky. Why am I so slow? And then I lose and be hard on myself. And I win and be hard on myself. You got There has to be a balance. Well, tennis is a, a unique sport in that way. We are so hard on ourselves as tennis players. And mm -hmm. like you said, it's only you out there when you're playing singles. So it really can be very um, negative if you allow it, right? You yeah. Can really, it can really bring you down. You can play to fear or, like you, can, like you said, play to victory. Uh, I think it's interesting also that in tennis – like you see people throwing a fit, swearing, you know, all of that stuff over one point. Well, you don't see that in basketball. Basketball, you miss the shot, they're on to the next, you know, pass, keep going. But in tennis, we literally like uh, curse and, and, and just break down because we haven't made a shot perfectly. Yes. Yeah. What is that about tennis, do you think? Well, I think it's that. So you could lose 50% of the points and still win the match. Which is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of points you're going to lose. Yeah. I think that there's some points where it's like you've hit that shot thousands and thousands of times perfectly in practice. Yeah. And like the shot comes, you got it, you know it. Like every shot you've been working on for hours and hours and hours every single day of your life yeah. for 20 years. And then you miss it in this crucial moment. In this, like, it's just like you, you can get emotional, really, really emotional in that one point where it feels bigger than it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think it's the crazy effect that tension has on your body while you're playing tennis. Because, like you said, you practice that shot hundreds of times. And yet, for some reason, in the moment, mentally, the tension alters your swing path, changes the way you play. It's so tough. Yeah. Well, you must be great at dealing with tension because <laughs> you did so well. How did you deal with tension as a junior? I was horrible at dealing with it as a junior. Really? Because I would get so nervous that I would get leg cramps. Wow. I would, my body would start cramping up out of stress. Um, I used to like... I would be I would love tennis and I would love competing, but right before a match, I would sit on the sideline and be like, I wish what if I just died right now and wow. didn't have to go on the court. <laughs> didn't have to deal with the tension. And then but then once like once I'm out there having fun, I was able to relax. But I really dealt with the tension in college. I started um meditating. I started yoga. Um and those two things completely changed 
my my game. Wow. Yeah. I would love to learn more about that. And maybe we should do a whole podcast on <laughs> on yoga and meditation because obviously mental toughness is and the the ability to relax is so important in tennis and can you play free, right? Yes. Wow. So you're in your juniors. Can you tell us a story about your juniors that comes to mind? One of your greatest wins, one of your worst losses? Oh, no. uh, there's probably so many that you've played. Um Oh my gosh. Man, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is so embarrassing. The story is so embarrassing. That's why we're here. Tell us the embarrassing stories. Okay. <laughs> I I was at a tournament. So as a, let me preface this. As a coach, um, the parents of my players always comment, oh, Megan, you're so calm. You're so patient. Yeah. You're like, you're so chill and great with the kids and easy to be around and so supportive of everybody they're I like can see that wow and i go you didn't see me play as a junior mm. and just like federer <laughs> i had some issues yeah um don't we all it was like this pent-up like teenage aggressive rage that i took with me on the court every match wow and there was one match i was playing in fresno against um, this girl that was at, who was playing at Eagle Fustar, which, which I- Which is what? Uh, the Tennis Academy is a tennis academy in Northern California. It's very good. It was started by Brian Eagle and Nick Fustar. I knew she was playing there and I knew that I was about to be going there. And I really wanted to be, like I, I really wanted to prove myself. That your ability to get into the academy mm -hmm. and like worthwhile. Yeah, like to get in and also like for the coaches to take me seriously. I put a lot of pressure on the match and match starts and I'm like, some days you have your A game, some days you have your F game. <laughs> and I had my F game and I tried everything. I tried everything. I tried slicing. I tried lobbying. I tried like, I couldn't make a freaking ball wow. and I lost my mind. And at some point, like, at some point in the second set, I threw my racket into the net. I was supposed to go into the net, but it went over the net. Oh, no. And it missed my opponent by an inch. Oh, my God. And she turns and looks at me. She's a very nice girl. She turns and looks at me like I'm psycho. And then I'm turning, looking at myself like, I'm, I'm psycho. Oh. And then I and 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 then, and then I lost, and my parents left, and they're like, "We're not talking to you, you crazy." <laughs> I was like, well, I don't even know. Like, I didn't even think about throwing it. I just threw it." Right. Wow. But um, and then I became friends with her later on. Oh, that's nice. And you guys can laugh about it now. <laughs> we laughed about it, like the first time I walked in. I was like, "So I'm so sorry about that." She's like, "Girl, you're okay." I'm like, "You're just saying that. <laughs> I'll make it up to you." <laughs> Do you want a coffee? And that's the passion of tennis, right? Yeah. It turns you into this emotional monster. Yeah, that you learn to, well, any, like, all parts of life. I think we learn to handle our anger anywhere Yeah, and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and I do love tennis for that. I think emotionally, I'm very emotional. So it has helped me learn to control my emotion, learn to stay relaxed, stay loose. Uh, and I think not only has it, of course, helped my tennis, but it helped every part of my life. So I really enjoy tennis for that way. Oh, it's amazing. I totally relate. So that was juniors. Uh, and how far did you get? Like, you must have got far enough to get into college. What, what happened at high school? Did you play for a team or did you play professionally? Um, high school. Well, I went to a normal high school. For public. A public. Or I went to a private high school, a Catholic school, <laughs> for a couple of years. And I played on their our, their tennis team for two years. And... It was like a very clicky school. It's a very clicky Catholic school. Gotcha. Very like mean girls vibes. Very rich. Um, and I didn't fit in. I didn't have the designer clothes. I didn't like, I I, I didn't know how to like talk in slang or whatever. <laughs> I like. Didn't have their culture. I didn't have. Lingo. Yeah, I was a nerd. <laughs> and sometimes I'd be really quiet. 
And people would mistake that as me being stuck up. Gotcha. Yeah. So I had a hard time playing high school tennis. So I stopped. Um, well, I'm sure the level was a lot lower than you too. Because you've been playing all your life. So. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the area you live in too. Mm-hmm. There were some good players in our league. Um, but yeah, down here in Southern California, high school tennis is definitely a lot higher quality. so so you stopped playing in the high school team but obviously mm. you kept playing tennis oh yeah i played tournaments usga tournaments every weekend to help build my ranking wow to help yeah my recruiting profile yeah um, and was that you or your parents or a combination of both or it was it was a combination of both it was mostly my coaches telling us what we needed to do and us doing it wow and i wanted to do it and how much did you practice in those days? Every day. Wow. Yeah, every day. Like at least three or four hours a day. So right after school kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or sometimes before school too. Mm. That's intense. And your ranking got high as mm-hmm. a high schooler and what happened? Yeah, I think my highest ranking in for USTA Northern California was, I think I got to like number... Eight or something like that. That's so impressive. It was yeah. I was I was like, I was decent. I wasn't the best as a junior. Um, I was telling you earlier. I I more peaked in college. Yeah. Um, and boy, did you! That's incredible. Uh, well, thanks. I can't wait for you to let's jump into it. So, okay. how did you decide where to go to school for tennis? And obviously, this was your passion. Yeah. So you graduated high school. You knew you wanted to play tennis. Yeah. So. Well, you start the recruiting process in high school when you are a sophomore. You start sending letters to tennis coaches at universities, colleges, um, kind of figuring out, do I want to play Division One? You know, what's that going to look like? Am I going to get a scholarship? Would I do better at a Division Two or Three school? And then you start going on recruiting trips your junior year of high school. So coaches will reach out to you, say, hey, come check out the school. Um, So they'll pay for your flight and your hotel. Or you'll usually stay with the students. Um, And at the end of your trip, the coach will tell you, hey, this is how much money I think we have for you. And, like, this is how much, like, we'd want you on our team and this and that, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. what were we talking? What were we? Just the transition. How many schools oh. did you go visit, and who did you consider? Um, man, it's like it was a long time ago. Not that I, long. Not I, that long. You're it, a young kid. It feels kid. like a life. It feels like a <laughs> lifetime. I've done. I've done a lot of things since then. <laughs> you talk like an old lady. Come Am on. I, no, I sound like an old lady too. <laughs> well, you have that beautiful, sexy voice. Yeah. That's very low. That's nice. Sound like an eighty-year-old smoker. <laughs> <laughs> or the 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 ants from The Simpsons, you know, with the yeah. smoking. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've been through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really, it does feel like a long time ago. Um, uh, I know I remember visiting Claremont McKenna. Okay. And Scripps um, down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, their school is like ranked, uh, their education is ranked higher than Harvard. Wow. And I was very academic in high school. And so at that point, I was kind of thinking like, well... Do I put tennis first or do I put, like, my education first? Right. And it was when my senior year of high school, I, I left the high school junior year, started going to a full-time tennis academy where I played eight hours a day and homeschooled my senior year. And it was during that that I felt the most alive I'd ever felt in my life. The happiest I've ever been was at the tennis academy. And I knew, I was like, well... <laughs> As I was on this recruiting trip at the D3 school, Claremont McKenna, the coach said to me, you're not good enough to play Division I. So this school is the best choice for you. Wow. Ouch. As she was driving me to the airport on my way about. And I thought to myself. What a way to drop the bomb. I thought to myself, I'm playing Division I and I'm getting a full ride scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to edit that out so I don't get an explicit on our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> but that is yeah. so mean for her to drop it like that. She not, 
I think she's trying to be honest. Trying to be honest. Trying to quote unquote help you. Yeah. Don't need that kind of help. Well, it did help. (laughs) I I guess it motivated you. Yeah. For your personality. You love to rise to the occasion. And that's what a true champion does. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So that made you decide you're going to pursue something else. Yeah. And then what happened? And then I, my mom helped me out a lot. We, and at Eagle Food Star, one of the coaches was also a videographer and made me a recruiting video that we sent to tons of schools. How fun. Is that up on YouTube? I got to find that. Oh, yeah. It's private. I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Like, I don't think my, yeah, my strokes aren't as good as they are now, I don't think. Well, of course, you played college, though. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Always improving, we hope. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's great. So your mom helped you out. You sent out the video and... Yeah, and then I got a replies from a bunch of different schools. Um, like, I remember I went and visited Pepperdine and the coach told me, he's like, yeah, you know, your, your recruiting profile is pretty average. Mm. And uh, like we probably can't give you any money and kind of like was like pretty mad with me. Mm. And I really, you know, I was like another encouraging coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. But what he asked me, which most coaches did ask me was what is your greatest strength as an athlete? And, um, I don't remember what I said, but the Pepperdine coach said back to me, he's like, you know what I wanted to hear? I wanted you to say that it was your head. Hmm. And then at all my other interviews, I, I said. You said your head. My head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Pepperdine, <laughs> for tipping us off. Yeah, yeah. So you get into what school? Where did so you decide to go? I went to Portland State University Okay. in Portland, Oregon. And why did you choose them? Okay. I love Portland. I I had never heard of it. I never thought I would leave California. I am like a born and raised California beach girl. Yeah. And got the beautiful blonde hair. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I went to visit Portland. Mom's like, come on, you got to just go look at it. And I went up and it's this artsy, cool, hip, lush, green city right on the river surrounded by like huge mountain like there's a volcano (laughs) yeah there's Mount Hood um there's like there's like hundreds of miles of running trails and like this lush greenery around the school um it's art it's like it's an amazing artistic fun like kind city great and I I love the city and I love that Portland State was less like a traditional college, traditional college. There weren't sororities and frats. It was built into downtown. So you're kind of living downtown, like going to school with a big, a mixed amount, a mixed age group. And it's such a yeah. cool area. I mean, Portland is exploding now, but I'm sure when you were going there, it was just such a cool vibe there. Am- amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I've always like, had my own sense of style that I've been made fun of in like California for like Marin where people are very like you have to wear your Chanel shoes (laughs) you have to have your designer jeans you know like you'd be walking through Portland one person's wearing a bat cape like another person has like a foxtail like glued onto their pants and you're like like, people will just do whatever you can go to a five-star restaurant in your sweatpants that's great that's great yeah, it is a bit hippie, huh? You yeah. don't think of it as hippie, but uh, because it's not anywhere near San Francisco, but somehow mm-hmm. that culture got exported up there. Yeah. Uh, as I was warned before I went, because I'm from Marin, San Francisco, yeah. they said, San Francisco's granola. Portland is crunchy granola. Oh. And that it is. Interesting. <laughs> so that did that influence your values as well when you were up there? Yes, I loved it. Great. I really, yeah, I really, really... It, Changed me as a person, like the best way possible. Sure. So you get into PSU mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, here we go, and starting to play tennis there. What was it like to transition from high school to college? Uh, oh, I had so much fun. 
Um, I was coming from playing eight hours a day. Uh, my coaches were hardcore. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. Um, <laughs> and like, I, we we had days where I'd throw up. Like, I was worked so hard. Wow. And I love I love working hard. Yeah. So I got to Portland State and found that most people aren't used to working that hard. Yeah. So I um, but it's my favorite thing. So I got to college. I remember moving in early in the summertime and I just go to the courts every day on my own, met people on the guys team, would hit with them for fun, would go for runs in the mountain, um, show up early, you know, practice starts, show up early. And I think that I just really, really liked it and didn't want to be anywhere else. That's so great. So you yeah. knew exactly where you were supposed to be. Well, let's yeah. let's listen to this clip of your coach talking about you. Uh, I found it on YouTube, and he has nothing but great things to say. Uh, Megan is great to work with. She always showed up to practice, committed, and ready to go, and focused. Her list of achievements is, is pages long. Uh, has the fastest time mile on the team. I mean, athletically, I could go down. But even more importantly for us is her academics. She's going to graduate uh, summa cum laude uh, with almost a 4.0 GPA because she set records last year and she broke all of those records again this year. Oh, my gosh, Megan. Summa cum laude also? That's incredible. Thanks. <laughs> wow. How did you do it all? Because it's hard enough that you're practicing so hard on tennis. I like school. Wow. I know. It's so bad. I like learning. And what was your major? <laughs> Um, I majored in communication and public health, um, and I finished both of them early. And I had like I had to have a, a certain amount of credits for tennis, so then I started taking acting classes. Ah, but and found your new passion. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So your your history at PSU is pretty storied. I mean, there's a lot of accolades where, I mean, probably the most impressive is that you were the most winning tennis player in the history of Portland State University. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I mean, how did you get to that point? How What happened in your brain to allow you to deal with that pressure at the college level and win? It was a lot of pressure. I'm sure. I was used to having a lot of pressure on me. And I had a very routine um schedule like i i was very it was like it was natural and motivated that like i'd go to class they'd say read this before class i'd be like well there's got to be a reason they're saying to read it before class so i'd read the textbook before class and then when i'm in class things make sense because i've already read it so you really respond to scheduling you're you're good when you can lock yourself down yeah, I like, I also do well when I'm like, well, first of all, most important thing, I loved what I was studying and I loved tennis and I loved working my body hard. Mm. Um, so working your body hard, working your mind hard. You love it. Yeah, I love that. It's fun for me when people are like, do this and we'll reward you. Wow. I'm like, well, I like it anyways. <laughs> and I like that pause. I like, I like, I like getting an A. I yeah. like getting the win. Yeah. Um, so I was getting that positive in, in, in real life after college. That doesn't happen very often. Unfortunately. Yeah, but it's like constant, like, oh, you got an A. Oh, you did 100%. Oh, you won your match. You know, it's constantly like, oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Wow. Yeah. And not only well, I mean, you were the best. You were the mm -hmm. best in academics, and you were the best in tennis. That's incredible. Mm, thanks. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how do you look back on that time? You, it must build a lot of confidence in you. You know, when I think back to that time, I don't. I remember being in the library a lot because they had the best coffee, Stumptown, and <laughs> the best chocolate chip cookies. So I just kind of sit in the library eating chocolate chip cookies and coffee nice, and nice. studying. That's your tennis diet, chocolate chip <laughs> cookies and coffee. Honestly, well, they wanted me to eat calories, uh, which was good. Interesting. Like so they eat. wanted you to gain weight. Mm -hmm. they, they had me gain weight when I got there. To get more muscle mass. Yeah, and or anything. Or, I was a little underweight when I went. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when I think back to college, I what stands out the most to me, honestly, is that I struggled with my mental health a lot mm. and did a lot to overcome that in college, along with keeping up, 
you know, my tennis and my academics. Sure. And you were alluding to yoga and meditation for mental health. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's that. Yes. So uh, just in speaking to the general tennis player who has a lot of fear and, you know, trepidation about playing a match and losing, what would you say to that person? What have you learned? I've learned that um, it's really beneficial to have strategies that work for yourself that you practice and you're not going to, there's not going to be a magic solution immediately. It's going to take, um, first recognizing that you're anxious when it's happening. And second, you know, you can choose a certain strategy. Like I can do deep breaths. Like I can count to 10 in my head, you know, like different things will work for different people. For me, I would fix my strings to make them perfect between every point. I could not look at my opponent because it would like seeing them celebrate after winning a point made me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of lose uh, yeah. some of the emotional control. Yeah. So my interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> like the way I stayed mentally strong in in the match would be turn around. As soon as the point's over, look down at the ground, turn around, walk to the back fence, fix my strings, like towel off, put my racket in my left hand to give my right hand a break right. and to reset. Mm -hmm. Take some of the tension off your right hand. Mm -hmm. Fix my hair and then start the next point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. I do everything except for the fixing hair. <laughs> but maybe I should add that one. We got to tuck it behind the ears. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's what Nadal does, huh? He does the tucking behind the ears. Oh thing. yeah, and and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah. that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> he has so many things, <laughs> but that's great. So it was the routines that, uh, and again, you said you had a routine in school that really helped you, and mm -hmm. a routine in tennis that really helped you. Yeah. So that kind of structure kind of takes away the need to worry, maybe the fear. Is that what it is? Yeah, and it's like. If you study every day right after tennis practice, it's not it's not willpower anymore. It's your what your body's used to. Yeah. So it's like if you know I get up at five AM and I go to tennis practice until noon and then I go straight to the library and I study, like that's just that's just what you do every day. It's not like you're pushing yourself to go to the library yeah. or you're like, Oh, I gotta go study now. It's just what you do. You just accept the discipline of the schedule. Well, we got to make it fun. Yeah. Hence the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and the coffee. Yeah. And I like, I wear my Uggs. I like bring a parka. That's I like fun. get nice and cozy in the library. Yeah. Like, I'm all about like making it fun. You seem like a ton of fun. So Thanks. I can imagine that th you have to have fun in order to succeed, right? I mean, because if you're not having fun, is it worth it? I think you can succeed not having I, you see people doing it yeah with bitterness envy all <laughs> not that very stuff. happy not very happy yeah yeah we don't want that we no. want we want to have lots of fun and succeed yeah well that's incredible and you must have improved a lot while you were in college too because obviously you became better and better and won more and more matches talk about your improvement um college tennis practices are amazing because you've got nine girls there who are all very talented, driven um, tennis players. And we're all together. We live together. We we live, like, across the hall from each other. And our courts are right there on campus. So it's family. It's family. And it's what we do. And it's how we have fun. And then the men's team as well. Like, we're all friends. Right. It's like, you know, we get to push each other and play together. And having that community to work to get better with. Yeah. Just, like... It's an, it's, it makes it easy. And you were saying that's kind of missing in tennis today at the recreational level. Yes, completely. Tell, tell me about that. Um, I see tennis programs for, there's a lot of, there's like the tennis club culture. Yeah. Like at the Riviera Club where you have to belong and it's very expensive. Sure. Um, there's, there's not a lot of leagues for or events for young people like young adults my age to hang out to just hang out and have fun and play tennis like have a couple beers and hit yeah um it's like it's either like 
very serious practice, like a USDA team or something, or nothing at all. Yeah, or super recreational. Yeah. Which is still great. It's still great that people are out there playing tennis at whatever level. We want to encourage them. But definitely the community adds so much to the dynamic, right? Well, out in Santa Monica, um, there's some courts right on Ocean Park. There's a basketball court right next door, and then the beach is right across the way. And at the basketball court, there are always a ton of whether it's high school guys. Pickup games. Pickup games, guys in their 20s. Sure. They're having fun. You know, they're hanging out, they're playing, they're then waiting to play. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like a, and it's they, what they do. And they get to know each other. Even mm-hmm. if they didn't know each other, they get to know each other because they show up at the same place. Yes. And we don't have that in tennis. No, it's like you call up your friend and you meet them at the courts. Yeah. Um, and a yeah. lot of times, uh, one of the things that I've heard also is that people are just too overcoached. Like the only kind of tennis you play is with a coach mm-hmm. taking a lesson and mm-hmm. there isn't enough just match play and having fun and yeah. trick shots and just goofing off and yeah. enjoying the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of like what we saw Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal do at this incredible exhibition that they just had for South Africa for the Roger Federer Foundation. That was amazing. And they were just having fun. The joy of tennis was so evident to everyone. And there were 50,000 people there. Incredible. So much fun. So much fun. Yeah. So incredible. You are the smartest person at PSU and the most winning. No. I mean, that's incredible. I sit in the library a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, congratulations on all your awards and and winning. And talk, uh, talk to me about your last match because... You know, that had to have been something that really was hard to deal with in a way because you know it's the end coming uh, and it's the storied history of your college performance. Uh, But we all have to move on. My last match, two weeks before the end of my tennis career at Portland State, I my brother was visiting in town and I wanted to like take him out and show him a good time. And I wore sneakers, like, you know, I'm not going to go wear heels. Yeah. And I've got two weeks off of my tennis season. I go with my brother. I don't drink. We go out to a bar called The Good Foot. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> the bar is called The Good Foot. I have an idea where this is going. <laughs> I what broke happened? my <laughs> foot at The Good Foot. Oh, my God. In five places. Oh, my god! Their dance floor had a ledge in the dark that you couldn't see. Oh. And my ankles are strong. Yeah. Like, I, ru- I trail run. I've been trail running since I was a kid. It's incredible. And, and like, it's a freak accident. Like, I'm bawling. Stranger carries me to a taxi. I go up to my, my room in a, this house I was in and, like, just, like, looking down at my ankle and my foot that are just massively just swollen. completely knowing, swollen. Like, All red. I just messed up big. Wow. And, you know, and then I had to call my coach in the morning. Oh, my gosh. I was like, it happened walking on the sidewalk. He was like, no, it didn't. <laughs> I was like, mm, I was wearing sneakers, I swear. <laughs> But so my last match, I kept playing on it. I, oh, it was no. broken. I kept playing. I was oh, like, no, no, there's no way I'm sitting out the last two weeks. Oh, no. I was able to win because my doubles partner, Kelsey Fry. Yeah. She was so fast. She was so good. Yeah. You she, could be I just stationary. Stood there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we won our matches. That's our incredible. Matches. My last singles match, I was, I was hopping on one foot. Wow. But like, hey, we don't recommend this though, right? Playing injured. No. Okay. Unless it's your last match in college, <laughs> <it's your> last. <laughs> then you do whatever you want. <laughs> Actually, yeah. If you can make injuries a lot worse by playing on them. Yeah, that's scary. But there's some moments in life where you just have to do Got what you want. Make the choice. And you yeah. made the choice and you still won with a broken ankle. My last match. That's incredible. I No, not singles. Yeah. I lost. Well, of course, on singles, you're going to lose with a broken ankle in five <laughs> places. Yeah, it was bad. You, you expected to win? Yes, I did. Oh, my god! I was like, I can do this. <laughs> I can overcome every bone in my body. Yeah. That's incredible. I go into things like overconfident a lot. Yeah. And it bites me in the rear end a lot of the time. I think I lost Or in the ankle. Or in the ankle. <laughs> yeah, I think I lost like 1-0 and or something to someone that I, would norm- that I had beaten before. Sure. Or- 
And I just like, it was embarrassing. <laughs> and then like, wow, that was my last tennis match. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. What a way to end it. Yeah, I, I had bad dreams about that match. Like where my foot is cemented into the ground trying to play tennis. Wow. I still have nightmares about it. Wow. Oh, I'm so sorry. I you I was trying to be funny, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you say lawsuit? I mean, you know. Mm, yeah. That's so scary. I know. Hopefully they change that dance floor from now on. I never even told them. I don't even know. Wow. They probably don't even know. Wow. Good foot. We're looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Might have to send some hate mail. (laughs) Wow. Uh, That's incredible. Well, I'm so sorry about that. And did you recover during the summer? What happened? Yeah, I recovered. Took some time off of tennis because I couldn't play or walk. Um, Acted a lot. Okay. Yeah, joined an improv team. On crutches. Yeah. I had a boot and everything. Um, doing improv, like waving that stuff around. That's funny. Yeah, so. So bring us up to speed today. What are you doing with tennis and, and where are you now? Today I am very happy, the happiest I've ever been with the sport, coaching. Wow. Yeah, so I run my own business, okay. tennis coaching business, which is mostly private lessons and some group lessons. Here in Southern California, mm-hmm. okay, on the West Side. Okay. West Side, maybe. <laughs> West Side! The West Side. <laughs> I'm really obnoxious about it. <laughs> in the Valley. Yeah, people hate me. You become that girl that you didn't like. No way. No way. Oh, I'm gosh. still down in 30. So you're yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should edit that. So oh, no, you are um, you're coaching uh, juniors, kids, mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, adults as well. Adults as well. Okay. Well, I mainly it's it's kids. Yeah. Um I love coaching adults too. Yeah. I do hitting lessons. Okay. Sometimes there's people who just like don't want to be coached, they just want to hit. Sure. It's all good. And and you're so happy. Why are you so happy doing what you're doing? I I am really, really happy um, working with... I love people. Um, I used to think I didn't. Hmm. I love kids, and I love being the person I wish I had when I was their age. Gotcha. Um, Super supportive, very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to like really listen to them, and they're. I like. I remember being a kid and having my own opinions and worldview, and having adults kind of not listen, right, or not care, mm-hmm. or laugh at me. Mm. And like looking back, I'll read my journals when I was young, and be like, "Wow, I was wow, like." I was like very intuitive and smart and like these kids, you know, like kids are smart human beings. Yeah. They are intuitive. Like I love the newest generation. Is it generation X or Z? Like the kids now, whatever generation they are, (laughs) I love them. Okay. (laughs) What do you love about them? They're, they're so emotionally intelligent. Ah. They're, they're so open in mm. a way that, like, culturally, me growing up, and maybe you too, like, wasn't really encouraged to share your feelings. Yeah. Or, like, you know, if someone's getting bullied, to go walk up and be like, can I help you? Are wow. you okay? Wow. These kids I coach, I'm telling you, they're, like, the boys and the girls. Yeah. Are, they're sweet. They're, they're so kind. They're thoughtful. They're like, yeah, it's a good world coming. That's so great. Yeah. It sounds like you got a great group of kids. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible. Well, Megan, thank you so much for spending time with me. I loved hearing your story, and it's super exciting to see what's going to happen next with your tennis, with your coaching, and, of course, with your acting. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. And, you know, Tennis Pal Chronicles is the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. And, boy, you have a lot of passion for tennis. So do you. I can tell that you have such a joy 
playing and now teaching that uh, it's going to be infectious and that's so good for the game. I love it. Thank Yay, you. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. If you want to check out Megan, uh, we're going to post her information in our show notes so you can go to her website and find out how to connect with her on the west side of Los Angeles or even if you want to send her an email. I think she'd love to hear from you. Love it. Yes. So thanks for listening to Tennis Pal Chronicles. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Megan. Bye. Right on. Well, there she goes, Megan Govey in the house. Wasn't that a fun interview? I love it. I love her spirit and her personality. So much energy, and I just had a great time. And I was sitting so close to her in the car that, uh, you know, just the vibe was happening. You know, she was just making me laugh. So it was really fun. I had a great time with her. Nice. I was a little sad that we couldn't let her exploit it. (laughs) Explicit. (laughs) There we go. That's the word. Uh, I was a little sad that we couldn't let her explicit words go through because it sounded like it was probably way funnier. It is funny, and (laughs) hopefully my little sound effects are kind of funny too, but we definitely don't want that explicit tag on our podcast. Yeah, but it was was good. I mean, it it helped make the storytelling fun. And I tell you, just getting to know Megan makes me feel like I need to spend a lot more time watching college tennis and finding out more about college tennis. It's kind of sad that there isn't more about college tennis happening kind of on the radar for myself. Maybe there is for other people, but I do feel like they're so unattended whenever I see it. And I feel like people just don't have a passion for college tennis like they should. What do you think? I agree. And what is interesting to me is there's a lot of college sports that are a big deal. And considering tennis is such a, it is a global sport. I mean, we have a good fan base. These people, these athletes make a ton of money professionally, enough that I would think it would merit us having a healthy college sport. Um, and then also just knowing that we, college tennis brings out champions. I mean, Kevin Anderson, John Isner, um, Steve Johnson, was he college? Yes, USC, the most winning tennis player ever uh, from the college circuit from yeah, USC. Yeah, and I'm sure there's many more that I'm not thinking of, but the, I mean... Daniel Collins. There we go, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these are class A tennis players. I yeah. mean, they are on the pro circuit and they are making things difficult for people like Roger Federer, Serena Williams, Djokovic, whoever. I mean, so why aren't we paying attention to it? Yeah. I know in... Um, if you're like a member of the USTA, you get a free magazine subscription to tennis. Yeah. It's tennis magazine, I think. Um, in the back, they always have the, at least locally, um, here in Southern California, they have like UCLA and USC schedules. Yes. And I've always seen it and thought like, I want to go watch, but I've never made it down there. Yeah. Um, maybe that's should be on our list of things to do this year. I, I have that intention really like uh, I teach... It's Azusa and APU is right around the corner from me. And it's although it's not a Division One school, the level of tennis is so high at really any college team. Uh, it's just I should be going to that. So I actually found their Google Calendar ad and I added it to my Google Calendar so I could see when the men's team was playing, when the women's team were, were playing, because it's literally five minutes away from the park where we have our program, but I still haven't made it out. I'm so sad. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, when you're ready to make that commitment, let's uh, hold each other accountable. Let's I go think, watch together. Yeah, that's one of the easiest um, to visit for us in from where we are here in Southern California. Obviously, it would be amazing to go to see UCLA play, USC, um, if we traveled up to Northern California, South Stanford. But there are so many great players at uh, at all levels of college as well. We interviewed Dio here mm-hmm. from Glendale Community College and you know our prayers go out to Dio because he was actually in a car accident. But just a reminder that great tennis is just everywhere. I'm sure even at Glendale Community College they have amazing matches that people should be attending and watching and supporting but we just don't go. It's true. I, can I don't cut even that go to part my, out. So I don't, I don't even go I'm, to my own uh, tennis matches, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even show up for my own yeah. tennis matches. <laughs> I'm working funny. on that. <laughs> uh, for 2020, I think I've I have played tennis two times this year, oh. which is we're two months in. Yeah, that's a record so far for me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs>
versus myself, who played four matches today, and oh, uh, I am crazy. exhausted, and <laughs> probably people can hear it in my voice. But yes, I'm a little tennis crazy and a little bit tired. But wow, it was so fun to to play. But you know, it's so inspiring when you get to see college level tennis, let alone pro level tennis in Indian Wells is coming up. I heard someone talk about how college tennis, maybe it feels um, more insulated because we think, oh, college tennis is really just the USA, right? Mm -hmm. But it actually has expanded so much because all of the colleges are looking for the best players in the world to come and represent their teams. So they're recruiting the best tennis players from all over the world. So when you look at college tennis now, you actually see a huge rainbow of international players that are coming to the United States because they're excited to get a college scholarship and mm-hmm. attend one of the best schools in the world. And in addition to that, it makes basically the college level circuit almost like the ITF. I mean, it's they're almost like on the challenger level. Mm-hmm. So it really um, reminds me that I need to be more involved at the college level because, wow, it's there's a lot happening. Yes. Bring me along. Okay, we'll go. That's going to be one of our goals. Maybe we can do a live podcast recording from a college match. Oh, that would be really cool. That'd be kind of cool, right? Yes. Yeah. For sure. And speaking of Indian Wells, that's next month. Are you excited? I can't even, I can't even go there. It's, I am very excited. And you're so good. I think you already bought your tickets, didn't you? I think I bought my tickets in like August or September. (laughs) Yeah. Which I, I kind of actually am bummed about because they ended up being cheaper had I just waited. But oh, whatever. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Um, I was eager yeah. to make sure that I had them. So, well, hopefully, we'll be able to go to Rosie's charity event and yes. meet some superstars this year. Um, maybe we can do a podcast recording about that and talking about that as well. Um, and hopefully, we'll be able to see, you know, Roger and all of our favorite players this year. We'll see what happens, who shows up and who's injured. I'm hoping Kim Kleisters is there. Yeah. I'm ho- I'm hoping that Bianca is back f- oh, because yeah. she was the winner last year, right? Yep. And so it was this kind of breakthrough for her at Indian Wells. And the question is, you know, will her health return so that she's ready to play? Did we hang out last year? Yeah. We spent we, one day. We watched on the lawn. We watched, I remember watching Andreescu on one of the screens oh, like wow. she was playing mm-hmm. when we ran into your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UJ from La Cunada Flint Ridge Country Club. Okay, yeah. I remember when we were sitting there on those chairs like Kvitova and some, some other people were playing, but yeah. I remember seeing Andreescu. And it's such a great experience, uh, Indian Wells. It's so well run. Uh, even though it's gotten more and more crowded now, it just is a great experience. Um, the restaurants, the stadiums, you know, the, I feel like it's just, uh, easy to enjoy tennis there, don't you? And especially the practice courts, the storied practice courts where you can get literally yards away from pro pro players. Yeah. It's fun. Anyone who's into tennis and hasn't gone should definitely have it on their bucket list. Did I tell you too that Fiona, our Roger Federer reporter, might come down to California for Indian Wells? Oh, that would be really cool if she does. Got to meet up. Yeah. So uh, Fiona, if you're listening, we're happy to host you here and and take you around Indian Wells if you've never gone because, uh, well... Valerie here is an expert. You've been there every year for how many years? <laughs> I think maybe 14 now. That's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to in our upcoming episodes. Do you want to talk about Ernesto Escobedo? Oh, uh, well, I mean, there's there's not much to say other than I'm really hoping we can get an interview with him. Yeah. Pro player Ernesto Escobedo, he represents Mexico and has probably one of the fastest forehands on tour. It's amazing how hard he hits this ball. You were actually able to meet one of his family members. Yeah. I happened to frequent a restaurant, a local restaurant. And, uh, because I am that crazy of a Tennis fan, it doesn't matter where I'm at, somehow I bring up tennis. I happen to be talking about Roger Federer at the checkout and someone and the his sister was like, Oh, you like tennis? And I was like, uh, Do like I like tennis? Is that the understatement of the, of the century? Um, 
am I obsessed with tennis? Do I have Roger Federer's logo <laughs> tattooed on my body? Uh, yes, ma'am, I do. And she was like, my brother plays. And I was like, who's your brother? And when she, and when she said his name, I was like, oh my gosh, I know who that is. Uh, Philip's always talking about Ernesto. <laughs> um, we love him. We love supporting Ernesto. So yeah, she suggested we reach out on Instagram and we're really hopeful that we're going to get an interview with him. The cool thing is he's been very responsive on Instagram and super nice to chat with. Uh, we haven't been able to set up a time. He did mention that he's going to be at the Newport Challenger, which is happening right now here in Newport Beach, California, which is only about an hour south of us. But, you know, whether or not we'll be able to lock something down. The cool thing is I think he grew up in West Covina. So yeah. he's really very local to us. And I mentioned that to him and we were hoping that we could put something together. So that would be a great interview, hopefully an upcoming podcast. Uh, keep your fingers crossed and keep your ears open for that interview. Yes. Yeah. Circling back to Megan and her discussion on you know, like mental toughness. I, I loved how she shared um, how they asked her, where, what college was it where they asked her um, what her biggest strength was and yeah, she I, didn't say mental toughness? Was it scripts, I think? Yeah. I don't, I don't recall, but I, I was like, oh, you know, I would have probably lied and said that anyway, even if it wasn't mine. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I, th I thought it was really cool how she talked about, you know, like yoga and meditation um, being really helpful for um, the mental aspect of her game. And I know you and I are always talking about how how we can have podcasts about anything to like bring our game to the next level, whether it's changing our diet or like adding yoga or meditation into our daily lives. And I think um, maybe we can we can do a whole podcast on the combination of how you can interlink uh, yoga, meditation, which kind of go hand in hand, and diet, which also go hand in hand yeah, um, generally. We, we should definitely bring Megan back and have her talk about, because I'm sure she could also share about her diet uh -huh. and what that was like and you know what it cookies, means. Phil, <laughs> cookies, Phillip. Right, cookies and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and some down coffee from Portland. That no, was but I'm so sure funny. that was. Uh, I'm sure she also eats clean when, between cookies. <laughs> so yeah, that, you have a good memory. So yeah, we'll definitely bring her back and talk about that fitness. I was especially interested in you know basically her mental toughness. How do you become the most? How do you become the winningest player? <laughs> At a college, that what kind of person are you? You know, because Rosie was actually saying it's something you can't teach. I thought that was interesting in our interview that she said it's really just something that's innate. It's not something you could teach, which is so discouraging to me because <laughs> I don't think I have it, and I, I don't think I was like born with it. So I don't know, but I'm sure I could improve in it. Hopefully, right? I feel like people can always change. Attitudes can change. Behaviors can be learned. Mental outlooks can be learned. Yeah. It's just probably so much harder yeah. to like learn those type of things mm -hmm. that aren't, don't come natural, which mm -hmm. is why somebody would say it can't be taught mm. because probably there's not many people out there who are willing to put in the inner work necessary yeah. to change those kinds of things. And, and it is the inner work that motivates the outer work, right? And yeah. so how do you get to that place where you're so motivated? Did you listen to the interview with Marianne Bartoli? On the tennis podcast? Yeah. I, I started it. I, I didn't finish. Such a good listen. Uh, highly recommend it. But basically it was the same. She almost said the same thing as what Roger Federer said at like age four she started hitting a ball against the wall. She was obsessed with it. She wanted to get better and better and better. And she didn't have anyone to play with, but she challenged herself to be the best person she could be at four. <laughs> yeah, what was I doing at four? <laughs> yeah, I could tell you what I was doing. Not much. G.I. Joe, I think, is what I was doing. I have no idea. But, you know, just that inner drive that uh, some of these top 0.0001% of the population have that enable them to become that kind of champion. It's just insane. It is. And, and you just actually reminded me of something that we forgot, even though we talked about. What's that? Um, 
one of the biggest tennis fans out there who also in his own right and in his own sport was the greatest champion and pushed himself from a very young age to be better, uh, Kobe Bryant, mm. right? We, You and I had talked about maybe uh, bringing a, him into a podcast at some point just because of his his effect on tennis, right? He really liked tennis yeah. and was quite a fan of the game. Yeah, yeah, that would be super cool to talk in. And yeah, our prayers go out to the Bryant family and the recovery and Vanessa. And I mean, he changed the world in life and death. It was just so stunning. Yeah. I can really remember where I was when I heard the news. I just could not believe it. So that was like super hard to hear. And just that he, you know, was excited about tennis. There's pictures of him at the U.S. Open and uh, pictures with him and Roger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think he was he was good friends with Djokovic. Mm to my knowledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember always seeing him. I mean, there's certain people you see when you watch tennis as much as we do. Right. You in see the in the crowd, yeah. in the player box, things right. like that, right? Sure. Like everyone knows Will Ferrell. It's mm-hmm. always at the U.S. Open. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's... Ben there's Stiller. Those, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all these staple people who are, are, they're just fans of the sport. And Anna he was Wintour. always one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So... We should definitely talk about that. I mean, it's so important, I think. So, yeah, let's circle back on that one. That's our Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast for this issue. Anything else I'm leaving out, Valerie? Well, I don't know. Just uh, how cool it is. This is our first podcast. Is this our first? This is not our first podcast of the year. <laughs> this is the first time I'm seeing you in this decade. Is it true? Wow. I feel like it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. We need to spend more time together. You look good in 2020. Thanks. You need <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> you do 2020 well. You do. Well, and you got to come out to the class on Saturday. I, uh, you know what? I came so close to signing up to your class just to sign up because I was like, you know what? I'm quitting soccer. <laughs> I'm just going to sign up for tennis. Yay. It's something I actually want to go play. Right. Um, I just haven't done it yet, but I'm know. out of town so much these days wow. that I don't even know that I can. I know you have been so busy. It's been hard to connect, but happy for you. Happy that things are going really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Well, I'll come out eventually. Hey, if you like the Tennis Pal Chronicles, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to pk at tennispal.com. We would love to hear your thoughts about our podcast, anything that we can improve on, any subject ideas you'd like to hear. And of course, that reminds us that we have to give a huge shout out to Tennis Pal for sponsoring this podcast. They are incredible. Thank you so much, Tennis Pal, for being a part of the family that makes this podcast happen. And please go visit TennisPal.com. There's lots of information about tennis there. There's news. There's a way to download the app. There's um, a new coach app that you can check out and receive coaching online via video. So really doing some exciting things there for the tennis world and the team at Tennis Pal just wants tennis to grow and boy there's nothing more that we want as well yes thank you Tennis Pal thank you All go right. up Valerie how do you like your serves <laughs> I want them to all be aces, aces. bye <laughs>